0: Just so you know, this is unfiltered confessions from a former executive pastor. So uh, we are in the science building room 161. So if you did not intend to be here, now is your opportunity to slip out with much embarrassment. Or not much embarrassment, I guess. But uh, my name is Gary Fowler and I get to serve uh, at the Ohio Ministry Network as I I do student ministries and uh, church multiplication. And before this, my former life, I was on staff at, at C3 Church where I was the executive director for about nine years. That church started, and so I helped start the church, and then about nine years later, I transitioned into this role. But just for the sake of our time together, I do have some notes, but I want to make sure that this is something that that is valuable to you. We do value feedback. I am asking for your feedback, as Ryan was saying, so please uh, feel free to give me that. There is a a place on your your sched. If you don't have that app, it's fantastic. It'll tell you this whole day you need to get that, and we'll we'll, uh, talk you through how to get that today if you don't have it. But uh, there is a place on there that you can give some feedback. So just let me open this up. I say, what is one thing, and if you walked away from here, that you would say, by hearing that or by getting some insight on that, that would make this time worth my while. That would make this time valuable to me. And I'm going to throw it up here on the chalkboard, make sure I cover that, if nothing, then I'll just kind of go through my notes, and at the end we can have some, some Q&A. But is there anything that you just say, hey, man, if you can address this, I would love to hear that. Yes, sir? Raising up to grow Raising up leaders to grow churches. All right, what else? I have opinions. I may have a little bit of insight on that. Anything else? You say, this would make my, my time worthwhile. Yes sir huh all right, and if I don't touch on these to the degree that, that you want at the end, we can definitely do some more specific Q and a. Anybody else? Yes, sir. Uh, how to repurpose <laughs> Repurpose volunteers. All right, man, you guys are coming at me strong this morning. Yes, sir. Anybody else? Yeah. Wow. Good grief. What else? I'm not even going to get to my notes. I feel like there's probably a whole lot better people in this room to answer these than me. Yes, sir. Very good stuff. Very good. Anybody else? I feel like a lot of this is going to be addressed in the Q&A. Some of this is definitely going to come out in my unfiltered confessions for sure. Anybody else? All right. Well, if I don't address these to the degree that, that you want answers, I am happy to have individual conversations as well. And again, on your notes here, you can draw on them, you can fill them in. This is just something that I like to do just because my mind is going to go to to several different places. And if you're anything like me, those, those, those lines need a word written in them. And so I'll make sure that 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 is going to be on the screen. If you miss any of the words and you want them and it's just that personality and it's going to drive you crazy, please uh, pause and and I'll fill those in for you. But if you're anything like the people that I work for or worked for, you're just going to doodle all over that paper and there's not going to be room to fill anything out anyway. So if you work for a visionary, you know that that's kind of what what you're in for. But what I hope from you that, you know, these are things that, that you want from this session. And when I was thinking about doing this, The thing that I was hoping that you would walk away with is just that you would know that there is almost permission to say that there is not a one-size-fits-all for the role that you're in. All of our churches are different. All of our leaders are different. Your personality styles are different. So I do not come up here and speak with authority of how I did it is how you should do it. But I think this is just a way, and I think together we can start a great conversation and continue that conversation of how can we do this better, at least maybe get a support system for if, if and when you feel like you're failing. And I would love it if, if somehow you could learn from a lot of my mistakes or some of the other people in this room. The win for me personally, the win for this session is that you would know there's not one size fits all. The win for me personally is I just feel like this is going to be some therapy for me. Maybe I'm just going to unpack some things. I'm going to get some things off my chest. I'm going to say some things that I wish I could have said uh, years ago. And I'm just going to ask you to just give me some grace because these might come out a little bit stronger than, than I meant for them to. But this is, this is unfiltered. And I wanted to give it to you as, as raw as I can. So, whatever lens you are looking through, if you are here as the lead guy, I would just ask, or lead guy or gal, I would ask that you would kind of think in terms of how you do interact with your executive director or associate pastor, whatever title you give the number two person. Uh, If you're here as the number two person, I would just ask that you would look through the lens of, of, am I doing some of the things that that he's talking about that maybe I can avoid? And if you're just here and you know uh, somebody in the associate or executive pastor role, maybe this would be some great questions for you to ask them. Maybe if nothing else, you will walk out of here with some accountability to somebody or you can be the accountability for somebody, just as Ryan Leak was talking about. You can invite people to speak in into your, wor- into your world. So that handout was formatted in such a way that, that I'm just going to say the statement, we'll fill it in, and then I'm going to unpack it a little bit. And if I feel like there's a great place to talk about some of this, I'll, I'll add some of those notes to it as well. But, you know, I, I think you're all probably a whole lot smarter than I am. You've got a whole lot different skill sets than I do. But maybe the one thing that I have is just a platform. So that's, the, that's, that's my paradigm for which I'm sharing this morning. So I want you to just know that when I make these confessions... These are just, this is me, this is raw, and I'm going to give you, I got five confessions I'm going to make, and then I'm going to unpack it with the fill-ins that you have there. So I'm going to make the confession, and then I'm going to make some statements and unpack that a little bit. And the first confession is this, I don't know what I'm doing, and I don't really like people. (laughs) The second confession is this, I know the best way to accomplish your vision better than you do. I can control your calendar better than you can. The third confession is this. It is their fault. The fourth confession is this. I won't help you if I don't agree. Ooh, And that one gets a little bit personal right there. And then the fifth one is simply this. I can do all things through my own strength. And we're going to unpack some of those. So the first confession is this. It's unfiltered confessions from me, the former executive pastor. And I would just, if you're anything like me, do you like try to pre-fill those in? Anybody got a good fill-in for that? Stop blank and start. Anybody want to take a shot at it? Oh, that would have been better than what I came up with. Stop whining and start influencing. Stop talking and start influencing is really, or, or listening is really good. But stop whining and start influencing. Here's the thing, I never felt like I had a clue what I was doing. I, I mean, when I started, it was like, why me? If you know my background, you're asking the question, why him? I never felt like I had my feet under me. I never felt like I got into a rhythm. I never, ever felt like I was good enough to be in the role. And, and, and I love how Bill Hybels from Willow Creek says this, he says, if, if you are called into a leadership position, then for God's sake, lead so it's just stop whining. Stop, stop with the excuses of, well, I would, but. Whatever that is for you, just release it. Can we just give you permission right now to just be done with that statement? And whatever it is for you, I have no right to speak to you. I don't. I have, I have, I have some experience. I have some mistakes. But you're probably all better at this thing than I am. So don't wait until you have it all together. Don't wait until you feel like you have it all together because chances are you're probably never going to feel that way. And instead of whining about it, let's just start influencing. Let's start using the platform that we have and just get out there and start having some conversations and start influencing. One of the things that, that I would whine about is that your position, our position, we do not get the credit. You take you, you might do all the work, and, but let me say this. Your job is to make your pastor look good. That's it. And if you're getting credit for that, there's probably a part of you that feels a little bit prideful, and you need to really search and see what that is. You do not get credit on a regular basis. You don't get mic time, you, if, unless for whatever reason. My pastor wanted me to have some of that. I never wanted it. I don't like the spotlight. I didn't want the spotlight. I'd have rather been behind the scenes because I took it serious. My job is to make him look good. But I could then get into that, well, man. I'm making him look too good. You know, And you don't get any credit for that. So you're not going to get any credit, and it's not about you getting the credit. If it is, you're probably in the wrong seat. Your job is to make your leader and your staff look really good. Another thing that you can easily whine about is that who encourages me? You're in a role that there is not a lot of people going to come to you when things are going well. You are in a role where people come to you to do what? Complain tell you how you can do things better, tell you what you're not doing, tell you what you should be doing. You are in a role that no one is going to encourage you. Now, most men, by nature, are words of affirmation. you got to figure out a different way to get it, because you are not going to get it in the seat that you're sitting in. And if you're not going to get that, you need to figure out a way to be in a a healthy mindset, even though you're not going to get words of affirmation. I used, to, I used to take every suggestion, and, and this comes back to Ryan what he talked about this morning. When people suggest something to you, they may be just suggesting something to you. But how did I read it? My unfiltered confession is, you didn't do good enough. That's just, maybe that's just me and I'm okay with that. I hope that's not you, but that's how I would translate it. Hey Gary, did you ever think about doing this this way? What are you saying? you saying I didn't do good enough? Nobody's going to probably come and encourage you. So if you're in this room and you know a previous or a, a current executive or, or uh, number two guy, maybe just encourage them. Let them know what they're doing well. Another, another thing that I just like to whine about instead of influencing is I always feel like the bad guy. Always. When my lead pastor would come to me and say, Hey, Gary, does anybody in here know Conan Stevens? Okay, big vision." Big personality, big dreams, big, I mean, there's not a simple conversation. He would come in and be like, Gary, what if we do this, and we buy that little thing, and we do this, and blah, just, boom. And in my head, I'm thinking, hey, no way. Here's what I learned, folks, and you, can, you will go so much further if you just learn this. It's yes, if. I don't have to say no. I can say yes, If. Say, Conan, if you want to do that, the answer is yes, if we cut everybody's budgets by 25%. If we now just pack this whole thing up and move across the town, we can do it. The answer is yes, if we do this. But I would whine that I just always felt like the bad guy. The only time anybody, Conan would walk out of the office and be like, yeah, dude, you're right. And I felt like the bad guy. I felt like the constant wet blanket. Every idea that would come out, I would say, yeah, but... No, 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 it's yes, if. Hey, what if we did 500,000 eggs? Yes, if we can rally 4,000 volunteers, if we have this much in our budgets. The answer is yes, if. You learn that, you will not have to worry about this whining thing, because then they have to filter whether that's worth them doing or not. The, uh, The only time people want to talk to you is when things are going bad. You know what? My job was to guard my pastor from a lot of the, 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 uh, the marital problems that are going on in the church, the, the family issues that are going on in the church. I would get those phone calls, and those started to really weigh on me. They just weigh on you and weigh on you to the plate. Your pastor has no idea what's going on in those things, and he shouldn't if that's your job. But I would start whining like, man... That guy gets to go out and have coffee with all these people. When he's coming back happy, I come back feeling like I'm beat up, carrying away to the world, and it's not fair. Stop whining and start influencing in every conversation that we have. Another complaint, the whine that I could have easily is, there is no time to focus on my own struggles. Guess what? I've got three kids. I've got a wife. I've got a dumb dog. There is no time for me to worry about And, and I loved it. There, that was the good and the bad of being in ministry, is that when I had a personal issue, I had to just hurry up and get, get right to the root of it and figure it out and move on. Because if I'm not on my game, if I'm not where I need to be spiritually, then there are going to be people coming to me that the Lord has brought into my presence, and I'm not going to be able to help them. So I don't have time for my own pity party. But the problem is, I don't have time for my own pity parties. There's, there's part of me that just wants to be like, well, they can wallow. They can complain. They can do all this stuff. What about me? It's not about me. Stop whining and start influencing. You know, sometimes I, I just feel like um, I, I started seeing a counselor, and I don't, I don't have any problem telling you this. I started seeing a counselor every six weeks because I needed a place to unpack everything that was going on in my head, and it, it, it couldn't be my wife. And I don't know how your relationship is with your spouse, but I'm telling you that if I go to my spouse and I'm talking to her about an issue in church, she has a name, she has a face, and she has an opinion. Now, I may resolve that, but she still has the name, she still has the face, she still has an opinion, and maybe that hasn't changed. So I learned early on that maybe the best person for me to unpack my negativity with is my spouse. So I started going and seeing a an counselor every six weeks. And I'll tell you what, the health behind that, it was fantastic. So if you don't do it, maybe that's just permission for you to do it. It doesn't mean you're crazy. It just means you've got a mind and there is somebody that can help you navigate the thoughts and emotions in your own. That's what they're trained to do. And I encourage you to do that. You need an outlet that's not your spouse. I, I, I kind of half-jokingly said I don't like people as one of my unfiltered confessions. If, if you see me on a Sunday morning, I'm walking around, I'm working a room, I'll do it. But there is nothing in me that wants to do it. I mean, that just drains me. I don't know that I'm an introvert as much. I'm not necessarily the extrovert. But today when I get home, I'm done. I don't want to be social, but I got kids. They're going to want to see Daddy. They're to, I got a wife, and she's going to. So i got to figure out a way to refuel. People do not refuel me. People drain me. Now, my pastor, it's all about, let's have the bigger party and let's have more people. So there was always that tension between he and I, like, nah, let's just have five. No, let's have 5,000. Nah. Let's settle on seven. You know, there was this piece of, I would joke and I would say this. If we were talking on a Sunday morning and I knew you well, I'd say, well, you know, Dalton, let me go act like I like people. And I would walk around and I would greet and I'd shake hands and I'd put on a smile. But honestly, it drained me. I just want to give you permission to know it. Don't ever say it like I did, but just know it. And then figure out a way that you can go fulfill the role, but then retreat to a place where you can, where you can just relax. I'm all about, I, I kind of use the word, I just don't want to have to be on. And anybody know what I mean by that? You've got to present yourself as the positive, you've got to act like you. No, you know what? I just don't want to have to be on. I just I would rather have four or five people sitting in a coffee shop, sitting in my house, just watching a game, doing whatever. But at church, it's like, oh hi, how are you doing? And you got to just like be on. And I just don't like to have to be on for any length of time. I want to make progress. If we're having a conversation, I want that that conversation to to go beyond. Hi, how are you doing? You know, what's your favorite color? What is your you know, what's your occupation? I want to go deeper. Like, hey. Let's talk. Let's get, Let's move forward on this spiritual journey cuz that's what this whole thing is about. Yes, ma'am. you ever think that when you go running you you ever think that they I guess you'd have to ask them. I hope I don't come off that way. Mm-hmm. They might Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that unfiltered confession. <laughs> Yeah. You know, if, if there's anything about me, I'm very intentional. So I have my, my three or four questions that I'm always going to walk up. And these are freebies. I don't know if you ever heard the acronym FORD, F-O-R-D. You can talk to people about their family. You can talk about their occupation. You can talk about what they do for recreation or fun. And then I never get to the D. It's dreams. You know, what are your hopes and dreams? That just feels weird on a Sunday morning. So I'll always go in. I, I'm not a big Facebook guy. I think that's of the devil right now, to be honest with you. But on Saturday night, I would get on Facebook. Why? Because I want Sunday morning conversations. Tell me what's going on with your family. Talk to me about your job. Tell me about what you do for fun. Those are just really, and I do genuinely care about that because that's going to help me move forward in the conversation later. So I had to figure out how to be very intentional without coming off, you know, disingenuous. So thank you for allowing me to clarify that. But I'll tell you this, that the people, as much as I say it, they're they're why we're here. You know, and, and, and God hit me one time with Proverbs 14.4. Without oxen, the stable stays clean. I was praying one morning, and I was like, Lord, why do they got to do this? Why aren't they doing this? And I feel like God just dropped in my heart Proverbs 14.4, and it says, without oxen, the stable stays clean. And I thought, what in the world does that even mean? Gary, if you want to have a big church, you're going to have big problems. If you want people here, they come with baggage. Where else should they be? If you don't want to have the mess to clean up after the animals, you're not going to have any animals. Without the oxen, the stable stays clean. Without the people, the church is empty. And there's really no point in doing what we do without that. I want to move forward. I want to go beyond the the Sunday mornings. And, And honestly, every relationship that I've invested in has been worth it. Now, there are people that are going to rip your hearts out. But you know what? You can always look back and say, I did what I feel like God called me to do at that time. You know, I, I remember, so this whole stop whining and start influencing, I remember when I, went, I was in the Air Force for four years, and like second or third day of, of basic training, I was doing my detail, and there was a guy that was ready to graduate like in two or three days, and I'm like, dude, when does this get easier? And I loved what he said. He says, it doesn't get easier. And at that point, I'm ready to jump off the bridge. And I'm like, what do you mean it doesn't get easier? He said, it doesn't get easier. You get better. I thought, oh, now I can take that. I can do something with that. So stop whining. Start influencing. You're never, you may never feel like you're going to have this all together. You may feel like people are the problem, but people are the reason that you're there. And the, maybe the truth is, it's not going to get easier, but you will get better. Next one here is, I, I know the best way to accomplish your vision. Here's your fill-ins. I can't change them, but I can change my attitude toward them. Guys, that tension never goes away. If, if you and your lead pastor don't have some sort of tension, there's probably not an authenticity there. If you can't tell them that it's a bad idea, if you can't question the reason, don't question the heart. Question the reason. Question the motive. Question the intent. Like, what are we trying to accomplish? Do we really feel like that's going to get us here? These are great questions that Ryan Leak has given us. Just question, don't question the motive. Question maybe the method. Is this really the way to accomplish what it is that we feel like and always tie it back to their vision? When you tie it back to their vision, then it's hard to argue with, right? If you say we're really about reaching the lost, is this the best way, the best use of our resources, the best use of our finances to accomplish that? Well, that's, that's an easy answer. But now maybe we have a bigger question of, is that really what we're here to do? Is that really what we're trying to do? The tension never goes away, and you really don't want it to. You want there to be a healthy tension. And there, Andy Stanley made this great statement, and I've used this over and over and over, and if you listen to Andy Stanley, you know what I'm going to say. Some things aren't a problem to be solved. It's a tension to be managed. There are problems that you need to solve, but a lot of this stuff is just tension that is going to happen over and over and over, and it just needs managed. And you, if you, if you just figure it out how to manage that tension you are going to have a whole lot better uh, uh, relationship with your pastor and with your staff. One of the statements that, that kind of come from this, you can't change them. They come in with all this big vision, and that's what they should do. But I come in with how. How are we going to do this? And, 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 and he would always say things like, well, in my head it's just different. Well, yeah, because you can see what you, the end result of what you want. So in my head it's different too because I'm trying to line up the dominoes and, and make sure that we hit that. So wrestle with that tension. Use that tension. Leverage that tension. Use questions to make sure that it's not different in their head. If you walk away from that conversation and it's different in your heads, don't move forward yet. Make sure that you continue to ask questions until you get that clarity. Because you're going to go down a path that maybe he doesn't want you to do. And then you're going to get to the middle of that path or the end of that road. And he's going to say, dude, what were you thinking? You'd be like, well, this is what I thought you wanted. You can't change them, but you can change your attitude toward them by just knowing that this tension is always going to be there. And when you make it about you, it's no longer about Jesus. And you think about that, that if I'm making this a personal attack of like, well, how dare he ask me to do this? Guys, if, if this is going to reach the lost, and I know we maybe say that a little bit too much, well, we're going to spend $50,000, and if one person is, it comes to know Jesus, then it was worth it. If it is to you, great. But if that wasn't the defined, clarified win from the, from the beginning, we're going to have questions on how can we do this better next time. And we're always going to come back and do that. Oftentimes I felt like I, this, this was challenging, that when, my, when, when your leader stands up and casts vision and maybe you haven't heard it, oh, I found myself, I, I actually said this to him. I said, I feel like I'm in a situation where I either have to lie or throw you under the bus. And I'm not going to do either one of those. So please, talk to me first. Let me know what you're going to say from the stage before you say we're going to commit all these resources and we're going to go buy that and we're going to do this because you're catching me off guard. So I always explain that, dude. I, I don't want to, I'm, never, I'm not going to ever throw my boss under the bus. That's my pastor. That is my appointed spiritual leadership. I'm not going to do that. But I'm also not going to, I'm not going to lie. So if you're in that situation, then you need to have that conversation. The bottom line is you can't change them. But you can change your attitude toward them. If you're called, if you really believe that you're called to where you are, and I I do pray that you are, if you you weren't, then you shouldn't be there, then we've got to serve with our whole hearts. And one of the best resources on that is Tale of Three Kings, Gene Edwards. If you've never read that, that is so well worth the read. If, you are, if, you're in a, if you're in a constant tension of having to lie or throw your boss under the bus and it's time for you to go, Tale of Three Kings says it great. You know how you go? You go quietly, and you don't ask anybody to go with you. Tale of Three Kings will change your life if you've not read that, if you're in that tough spot. The, the third one there is, this is, I don't know that I read this anywhere. I probably just made this up. It, it's just, it says this, that frogs can't bark. <laughs> It comes back to that they should, they shouldn't. And, and I may get in trouble for saying this, so I don't know if you want to repeat it, but I would just say, don't be a should head. <laughs> because there is nothing positive. There is nothing moving forward about should. You should do this. They should have done this. They shouldn't have done that. Don't do that. You, frogs can't bark. You know, you know why you're there? Because they can't do what you do. They can't do or don't want to do what they hired you to do. They may be that frog, and they just can't do what you're called to do. Frogs can't bark. I would look at him and say, dude, why aren't you thinking about this, 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 and this? And he'd just look at me and say, that's what you're supposed to do. You're right. I'm an idiot. Frogs can't bark. Stop asking them to be detailed when they're not. Don't get offended when they forget your birthday, because you're the one reminding them about everybody else's birthday. Don't get offended when they don't show up at your thing. You're the one helping them remember to do other people's things. They can't, they're not going to change. God created them a different way than he created you. Frogs don't bark. Stop getting mad at them for not doing what you think they should or shouldn't do. There are things that they just fall outside of their skill set, so stop wasting time trying to figure out how to get them to do what you're hired to do. I don't need him to keep his calendar up to date. That's, that's what I'm there to do. I don't need him to come in and handle the finances and the details. That's what I'm there to do. Stop getting mad at them because they're not doing what you want them to do. We had, a, we had something in our office just called. We would say, we're going to have a mouthpiece conversation. And you know what that means? That means put in your mouthpiece because we're just going to come at it very strong. We're going to come at it. We're going to argue. And there may be some teeth lost by the end of this thing if we don't have our mouthpieces in. That's just our way of saying, you know what, we've got to have a brutally honest conversation. If you were at minister's retreat, Scott Wilson says it like this. He said, let's have a last 10% conversation. Because you know this is true. Most of the time, the the things that you're arguing about, the 90% of the stuff that you're talking about, have nothing to do with what you really want to talk about. It's that last 10% that you really want to talk about, but there's a fear there. So if you can come in and say, hey, can we create this atmosphere to where we can have this last 10%? That was always our way of saying, hey, you know what, Gary? I just got to have a last 10% conversation with you. Now, if I'm not ready to hear that, I say, you know what? Give me a minute, and I'll come back to you. Because if I'm not ready to hear it, I now know that my pastor or a friend of mine, an employee of mine, really has to give me some feedback, and there's a little bit of fear in them giving it. I want to present myself in a way that says, give it to me. Not only do I want it, but I can handle it, and you can trust me not to react, but I will respond. You can't change them, but you can welcome their feedback. You can you can get the honest, uh, appro- you can have that honest approach. Agree to disagree. Question maybe the decision, but don't ever question the heart. Question the process maybe, but don't question the heart. Because now you're questioning their integrity. You're questioning, do you really, we, if we really love Jesus, we won't be doing that. Guys, don't do that. Lose that vocabulary. We're not, we're not in it to do that. I heard a great statement, and then this is, this is fantastic. You challenge up, but you support down. Now, if I disagree with, with my lead pastor, I can challenge that. Is this really the best way to use these finances? But if he's, yep, this is what we're going to do. Now, guess what? I walk out of that office and I support it all the way down. I never have that conversation again. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to challenge up, but once a decision is made, I'm walking out with one single unified voice. If you question their heart, you're going to have trouble serving their vision. So if you're questioning their heart, maybe again, this is a tale of three kings moment for you. The fourth confession that I make is is that I won't help you if I don't agree. And there is something in the book called the advantage called passive agreement. And man, this... When I read this, I, I, I seriously just felt like I had to repent because people will not actively commit to a decision if they have not had the opportunity to provide input, ask questions, and understand the rationale behind it, the why behind the what. If you are making decisions and you just go and tell your team, this is the decision we made, here's what could happen. It's passive agreement. They're not going to stand and be like, oh, no, we shouldn't do that. What they're going to do is they're going to nod, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, and then they're going to go back to their office and do nothing to help you get that accomplished. If you don't get buy-in, if you don't get questions, if you don't get input, if you don't get agreement on the front end, passive agreement says, eh, I don't have buy-in yet. Passive agreement says you can do it, but if it fails, I wasn't in on that. You didn't ask my opinion? Passive agreement is cancer. And I found myself doing that. Like, he'd come in and be like, hey, we're going to do this. And be like, yeah, woo. And then I walk away, yeah, right, that's never going to happen. That's passive agreement. And I've done that more than once. And then if it didn't go well, there was always this part of me and be like, yep, if you'd asked me, ah. That's, some, that's, ugly. that's that's ugly. That's something deeply rooted that I have to work through in my own heart. When leadership teams wait for a consensus before taking action, they usually end up with decisions that are made too late or mildly disagreeable to everybody. And this is the recipe, I love this statement, this is a recipe for mediocrity and frustration. We can't take so long to make the decision, but if we just make the decision and try to implement it, then that's just going to be mediocre and it's going to be frustration. But if we can get everybody to buy in on the front end, then we are going to go a whole lot faster, further, or further, faster. We're going to go a whole lot further, faster than we could on our own. We have to be comfortable with uncomfortable. Those are the mouthpiece conversations. That's the last 10%. Disagree and commit can't happen without disagree. So it's okay. Again, challenge up, support down. If we disagree, that's okay. we got to stop thinking that we have to all agree on everything all the time. We can have conversations. We can have uh, questions, Q&A. When people leave a meeting without active commitment, they've got to carry a piece of it. They have got to carry a part of that. If they don't, then they're just going to sit back and wait for that thing to fail, and then they're going to say, see? They're not going to say it to you. They're going to say it to other people. Yeah, see, that failed because they didn't ask me. That failed because we weren't on board. That failed because and they're always going to have that reason. They don't go back to the office and just try to sabotage it. You know, That stuff just happens on TV. They don't really do that. They just get real passive. Like oh yeah, it's a great idea. Yeah, yeah. We can do that. We can do that doesn't mean they're going to do it. We can do that means sure. Go ahead. But me saying yes, we can do that and I will do that and we will get that done by this time. That's a totally different conversation. Now they're in. Now they're buying in passive agreement. When you go to a meeting and smile and nod your head and they, they just walk out of there with just, and you think they're all on the same team. And I, let me tell you this, people that love meetings, they walk out of there and they feel good, like this is going to be great. And then when they don't see it happen, it's like, what, what, what just happened here? Why is nobody following me? Well, then you're just out for the walk. <laughs> the price of passivity is internal politics, damaged relationships, and then loss of credibility. So if you see a, passi- a passivity starting to in- infiltrate your culture, you've got to address it. Passivity, is, it, it creates politics, it damages relationships, and you lose credibility. The only way to prevent passive sabotage is for leaders to almost demand conflict. I walk into a meeting now and I'll be like, guys, tell me why this is a horrible idea. I'm just giving them permission to tell me why it's a horrible idea. Oh, that stinks because, and now I'm getting some feedback, like, oh. And then their heart is to make it great. If we're going to go do it, they want to make it great. Guys, tell me how we can do this better. You've already heard a lot of this from Ryan Leak. Guys, tell me what are the things that I'm saying but but I'm not seeing. Tell me my blind spots in this. Tell me this from your perspective. Tell me how we can get your neighbor who will not ever step foot in a church to come to this event. Open it up with questions like that, and now they're going to be engaged instead of being passive. I can do all things through my own strength. Guys, this this one is this one took this one took some time. Champions play hurt. Now, for that I underestimated my spiritual dependence and I overestimated my own ability. And if I look at Matthew 15:5 and if I'm reading that it says if You remain in me, I will remain in you. There's a part of that that's my responsibility. I have to remain in Him. And if I do that, I will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Can I be a better father? Nothing. Can I be a better husband? Nothing. Can I be a better spouse? Can I be a better uh, 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 co-worker? Can I be a better... Nothing. Guys, we can't overestimate uh, our own ability. I didn't rest enough. I almost prided myself on, hey, I didn't use all my vacation. I got three kids. Why would I not? There was a part of me that felt really good and accomplished with, wow, look how busy I am. Guys, that's just dangerous. If we try to do it in our, in our own, I didn't rest enough, and I was proud of the fact that I was just so busy. Another thing with, with champions play hurt, there's going to be times where you're going to get offended. We've got to forgive fast because otherwise you're just carrying that around and that is there's a great book called bait of satan by john bevere if anybody ever gives it to you you're almost offended that they gave it to you <laughs> and then you read it and you're like oh. I, nope that's one of those books that you never want to recommend to the people that need to read it so just read it on your own and then you'll 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 have that but it's talking about the bait of satan is when we carry an offense and if you don't forgive fast that just kind of keeps staying in your heart and it grows and grows and grows and it comes out in very unhealthy ways. It's important to be healthy while in the heaviness. Because I when I stepped away from this thing, I didn't even know I was as wounded as I was. Because I, I went nine years, full tilt. When you start a church, it's, it's full bore. Everybody does everything. And then we were, thankfully, we were blessed in the seasons that it, there was just continual growth. Never felt like I had my feet under me. We'd get to, you know, 150 people and you feel like, now all of a sudden you got 220 and the systems and the structure that you built there don't work here. And you just keep going. But but I never rested. I didn't rest enough. I didn't have those quality life-giving relationships around me that said these are beneficial to me. I was constantly being drained. But champions play hurt. You know, you, you see anybody watch MMA? You ever see that guy that had like his toe going the opposite direction and he didn't even know it? He's looking down at his foot like, man, that's going to hurt. And he's like, no, not right now, I don't. Because there's so much adrenaline, we're caught up in the rush, we're caught up in the fight, and we can spiritualize this thing to say, well, we got to charge the gates of hell, and we got to this, and we, got, we can't rest. Guys, we need to sharpen the saw. I mean, however you need to say it to just remember. <laughs> or you can go back to the way God said it. Hey, remember the Sabbath. Take some time. Just relax. Just, just, just disassociate with everything, everybody. Put your phone on, on, turn it off. We need to get rid of that. And here's the, here's the last thing I want to say is, when you leave, I thought I was going to be there forever. I really did. I wanted to retire there. I get to work with my best friends. I was less than a mile away from my home. Now I have on a good day a 45-minute commute both ways. Traffic, it's over an hour. I'm getting home. Poor me, right? No. I thought I was there. But here's the thing. You're probably not there forever. And when you leave, leave well if you secretly say, I hope it fails because I'm not there, there is something in your own heart. I now want to be the biggest champion for C3 Church. Whoever is sitting in my position right now, I am their biggest fan. If I have anything that can offer value to them or that church in any way, if I can serve it, that's what I'm going to do. We, we're going to leave, but leave well. And make sure that your heart is healthy. That your, your hope, your prayer should be, Lord, help it to grow even bigger. Help it to be even healthier now that, it's, now that I'm not there. And there's people that want to say that negatively. It, C3 Church has grown since I've left. I will say it and I say it proudly. That I can say, Lord, if it took you getting rid of me for that thing to get to where it needs to be, then so be it. That's great. There are people that want to say that in a way of, hey Gary, look what's going on now. And I'm like, praise God, they don't know what to do with that. I'm like, man, absolutely, Conan is killing it, Carrie is knocking it out of the park, they got a whole new staff, that is a fantastic team, and you should be a part of it. And they're like, whoa, what are you doing? I feel like I'm honoring God is what I'm trying to do, what are you doing? Right? If I had to do it all over again, I would rest more, I would hire better, Here's a great statement. Hire slow, fire, fast. And I would get on the same page at all costs. Because that is where a lot of the offense that has taken place in all of our hearts on that team of just we didn't understand why we were doing what we were, what we were doing. We didn't understand how it aligned with the vision. If, if you believe that you are in the place, if you believe that you are called to the place that you're at, accept your appointment and lead. Go back to Bill Bible statement. If you're in a leadership position, then for God's sake, just lead. So I would challenge you to stop whining, start influencing. You can't change them. That's pretty much just saying change your attitude toward them. Frogs can't bark. Stop being a should head. Stop trying to tell them what they should or shouldn't do. Stop trying to, to, to blame. Passive agreement. If you're not bought in, keep asking questions. If you're not on the same page, then get on the same page at all costs. And champions play hurt. Take some time. Take some rest. Make sure that you are are resting. One of the things that that we really want to do, even in my position now, it's we are the network resource center. What I want to do is I want to network. I want to network you with somebody that can help you. I want to resource you with something maybe you don't have. So if there's anything I can do to network you with somebody doing it well, if if there's anything I can do to resource you with maybe something that we created in the past or somebody in this room has, let me do that. I'm looking around this room right now and I know that there are really a lot of a lot of people in this room are speakers at other things. They've got some great resources. So I would challenge you, make sure that today before you leave, you meet people that you don't know, even if you've got to be on, even if you don't like people, just do it because it's worth it. So networking and resourcing and if there's anything I can do to help, please let me know. These are two of the books that you need in your library. If you want it done right, you don't have to do it yourself. It's a, it's a small, I call it a bathroom book because you can read it in one sitting. It's, it's really small, but it talks about delegation. Brad, you read this, right? And so did Jonathan, right? You read this? Your, their whole team read it. If you are not the best delegator, this will help you. If you have a boss, this will help you because this is going to teach you the questions to ask your boss. Okay, this is what you want done. Am I understanding that right? Clarifying what what is the job. This is when you want it done. We're giving ourselves benchmarks or deadlines. And then here's the question that I was horrible at. I didn't know until I read this book. What is my level of authority on this? Game changer. Because it talks about three different levels of authority. I can research and inform. In other words, I'm just going to get all the information and I'm going to give it to you. There you go. I'm done. I can research and advise. Now I'm getting all the information I'm saying, here's the one that I would do if I were you. Or I can research and decide. I'm getting all the research, and then I'm making the decision. If that is the only question that you ask your boss, your relationship will be so much better. Research and inform, research and advise, or research and decide. That book will help you tremendously. And if you can somehow get your pastor to read it, your boss, and your team, you now look like the genius because now your team is making you delegate effectively. You are making your boss delegate effectively. Great, great book. And then the advantage is Patrick Lencioni, he's the business guru guy, and that's where a lot of this passive agreement comes. He talks about the the four obsessions of of an executive director or whatever, CEO I think is the name of the book, but we can put it in the church world. talks about clarity, and it's a fantastic book and it really does translate into the, uh, the role that you're in. Then of course I mentioned the Tale of Three Kings as well. That's probably just good for your spiritual health. These are businessy books. These will help you on the business side of church but we also know that there's a spiritual side to this thing as well. And so those are three of the top books that I feel like in my opinion you need to not just have but you need to read. And uh, I read, probably do it. If you want it done right, you don't have to do it yourself. I I read that. Every time I get a new employee, every time I get a new team member, I give it to them, and then we talk through it. And then what I do is when I give somebody a book, I say, hey, email me your top seven that you get from this book. And then I compile that stuff. I don't think you sent me yours, Brad, yet. Yeah, I know you will. Yeah, by when. Now watch this delegation. When are you going to have that done by? No, I'm just kidding. All right. I probably didn't touch on, on a lot of this stuff here, and I'm happy to do that. But do you have any questions about the content that, that we just unpacked just now? And then I'm happy to jump into that. Yes, sir. You uh, said a phrase that has that <coughs> been really important in my years in ministry, and it was really quick, and it's really rich. Can you lay out a little more what you said when you talked about reacting versus responding? Mm. Yeah. Again, I feel like I'm just this is the resource part. There's a great book by Gary Smalley called DNA of Relationships. Fantastic book on marriage. But in that, he talks about kind of how to deal with an offense. And and basically what that is is that when you and I are talking and I feel offended, there is something he just calls CSR, which is care for yourself. And basically what that looks like is saying, well, if he, if he really did mean that in a way to hurt me, that anybody would feel this way. So you're caring for yourself. You're saying it's okay to feel that way. It's natural. It's normal. So that's caring for yourself. Seeking the truth is the S. Yes. Seek the truth. The truth is, he probably didn't mean it the way I took it. The truth is that he probably is trying to help me. It just came out wrong. The truth is, maybe he's got something going on in his own personal life that I'm not aware of. So seeking the truth and giving the benefit of the doubt. And then the R is respond with integrity. Now here's what that means to me. When, and I, God bless them, I just used this probably two weeks ago. There's a situation with a presbyter and a church, and they were kind of going up in arms, and they have a sit-down. We're going to have a sit-down. What are we, the mafia? We're going to have a conversation. We're going to talk. And here's what that guy, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to say this, and I'm going to do this. And I said, you know what, you can. You're, you're perfectly within, you, you absolutely can do that. I said, but you know what, you're going to retell this story. How do you want to say you handle it? Responding with integrity says, how I deal with this situation, I'm going to retell this story, and I really want to be proud of the way that I handled it. So responding with integrity says, I'm thinking it through. I'm now taking some time to calm before. Because react is just, you know, a guy cuts you off and you react. It's You're laying on the horn, you're giving them gestures, you're, you know, you're disciplining them with your looks. You know, who Why do we do that? I don't know. But that's just the reaction. But responding with integrity says, I'm going to think, I'm going to pause. I'm going to respond in a way, and now we can go bigger. Because when I do this in, in different environments, I can't do it quite this way. We respond with integrity by saying that when we stand before God, He's going to say, well done. You handled that well. Because isn't that the goal? So if Terry and I get in a disagreement and I just react and blow up and start calling Him names, I can do that. But that's a reaction. My response says, Terry said this. I could have been offended. But you know what? I chose to have the conversation instead of the reaction. Is that, did I unpack it well enough for you? Thank you. Yes. Um, I, and then to you, sir. Pretty really silly question. I think the stick is, is that the lead pastor is always a visionary. Mm-hmm. The executive is always a strategy. Uh is there any example of what this roadblock? Does anybody have one of those? And and would Pastor Terry, would you just tell them your role so they all Come on. And reverse mentoring is a book by the Jack Walch. He's be the president in general. Yeah. I learned that really young. Because I reach an age to where I need to be able to tell me what we need to look like. right. And it gives that fine. Good. And, and didn't Ryan Leak talk to that a little bit? The people that you're trying to reach, have them in the room. So I don't know that I have a great example of that because everybody I've worked for has just this ginormous vision. I would say even right now... Uh, Pastor John, our superintendent, has a vision of, of healthy churches and has a vision of, of unity within our network. But I don't feel like he's telling me, Gary, here's how you have to do it. Here's the vision for how you have to do it. But on Pastor Terry's recommendation, too, I love that, that reverse mentoring. But what I did was I found, I, I called Doug Clay in the national office. I said, Doug, you know John Wooten way better than I do. How can I serve him in a way that's going to make my boss look good? And Doug Clay said to me, Gary... Provide excellence in the areas that you're responsible for. You can, he's going to give you enough rope to either run fast, run far, or hang yourself. Just keep him informed along the journey. So I, I now have sit-downs with Pastor John every every week, every two weeks, depending on his calendar. And it's a two-hour block. And here's, here's his term. Here's what he says. If you plan to do something, you don't have to ask me for permission. Say, I plan to. And then just lay it out. If he disagrees, I'm now giving him the opportunity to disagree. If he, if he loves it, go. But I'm keeping him informed along the way. So if you have maybe a vision for an area, a great conversation might be, hey, I plan to do this. Does this fall within your vision? And I don't know if I answered that, and I'm happy to have another conversation later, or Pastor Terry would probably give you some great insight to that as well. I've been 18 years in the same church. Perfect. And when you said uh, research and advice, mm-hmm. that's what I did. I would do all the research and say, hey, this is why I yeah. Yep. Uh, is is whether is how how I did with it too. Yeah. But I did a lot of that, just you know, knowing the situation and knowing that he probably wasn't right. going to do that. So I said, you know, hey, I'll go ahead and do that. Here's all the stuff. Here's how. All you have to do is say yes, yeah. and it's done. But it's your choice. Yeah. And many times he said no, but For there's sure. times he said yes and it yep. worked. And sometimes he said no and he backed me up. Right. So, but I, we at least did the research. So yeah. I like that when you said that. Yeah, and, and that's a great example, too, of just that, that feels very much like an I plan to. Here's here's what, I, here's what I'd advise you to do or another way that I would say this. Here's what I plan to do unless you tell me differently. Always giving them the veto power because you're, you're there to serve them. Yes, sir. Thank you for waiting. Uh, you said, a quote, rest more, hire better. What was that last part? Does anybody remember it? Fire. Oh, hire slow, fire fast. And then after that. I said, <laughs> oh, get on the same page at all costs, yeah. Get on the same page at all costs. And that, that ties right into what Greg was saying, right into what Brad was saying, right into what Pastor Terry was saying, is that we've all got to be on the same page or we're going to be running a whole bunch of different directions and that's where the enemy can come in and cause an offense and we're not all working together for the same vision. What time is this thing over? Are we done? All right. All right. Any, any other Q&A? I mean, again, if, I, if I'm happy to, to jump into some of this if you feel like that would be beneficial at this point or if your heads are already just done. I'm okay with that too. Anybody that said one of these, do you want me to touch on any of this? Go ahead. Which one? Which one was yours, Brad? Oh, the volunteers. Okay. I remember we had a sound guy that was horrible. Horrible. We had had a, a guy that was doing, he was our usher greeter coordinator. Fantastic at one service. And then we go to two, starts to rattle a little bit. Then we go to three, the wheels fall off. Again, this probably comes back to what Aaron's is, too, is putting out fires. I'm a fan of preventing fires more so than putting fires out. And what that means is I'm going to be honest on the front end. If we delegate right, these conversations are a lot easier because now we can repurpose them in a way. Here's what we did with our sound guy. You know what? I'll just pick up the name, Mike. Mike, you are fantastic at... But we feel like to get to where we're trying to get to, we need to bring in, whether it's another board or whatever, and we just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move him on, but tie that to the vision. You know, here's where I feel like you're valued. Here's where I feel like you're gifted. And there are going to be times that they're gonna, they know what you're doing, and they're going to be offended by that, and they're just going to say, you know what, would you mind? And then offer maybe even some other solutions of, could you work with this guy? Aaron has a fantastic, your guy's going to do one on sound, right? You bring in somebody that's got a better skill level. My father-in-law is a sound guy. He, he played, he did sound for like Aerosmith. He was in the band Wild Cherry before the bass line to play that funky music, White Boy. I love that claim to fame. Hey, you could have been that guy. He's not. Anyway, here's what he does. <laughs> he walked in. We were, we were doing fine arts. This is years ago in my youth pastor days. We walked into the Vineyard of Columbus. The soundboard is as big as this whole table. And I'm bringing my father-in-law in to run it. Their sound guy comes up, and he's, he's like, oh, yeah, he doesn't know this guy. I don't know if I should say this, but I'm going to. I said, I said you know what that's, I call that? That's the sniffing butt stage, right? When two dogs get together, what do they do? They just got to sniff each other until they feel comfortable. And I just, me and Conan were standing there, and I'm like, dude, watch this. Because my father-in-law is fantastic. He can look at the board and tell you if it's going to sound good. And I said, watch this. And this guy was asking him, oh, yeah, and you do this. And then my father-in-law just said, yeah, but what if I run a jumper and do this and this and this? And the guy's like. Now he bowed up a little bit more. like, well, if you do that, then this. And my father in like, yeah, but what if we do this, this, and this? And now it's a conversation of, this guy knows what he's doing. So what we have done when we're repurposing people is we will come in with the skill set that we want this person to get to and let this person see that this person is doing it better. And now there's an opportunity for some reverse mentoring maybe or, or an opportunity to train because your people want to get better. They want to please you. But if we come in with like... And I've done this. I've done it horrible too. Dude, you're out. You just aren't pulling your own weight. And that's ruined the relationship. People have left because I did it wrong. But if I always come in with a conversation, tie it to the vision, offer them either another place to serve or offer them somebody to train them to be a little bit better in what they're at, I've never seen that go wrong. And here's what one of my mentors told me when I was asking him the exact same question, Brad. I said, how do I get rid of my sound guy? Here's what he said. Don't ever underestimate the power of prayer. I'm like, you went there, didn't you? You had to do that when I'm asking for legit I'm asking for a checklist and you're gonna give me that. And I did. I started praying about it. I'm like, Lord, he he said this. He says, Gary, he knows he's probably not doing the job. He's waiting to be fired. Give him value somewhere else and really pray about it. And this guy came to me and said, you know what? I feel like if the vision is clear enough, he'll say it. I feel like where we're trying to go, I don't really have the skill set to help us get there. And then you can be the hero and say, what if we provide you with some training? What if we invest in you to go to a sound class? What if I call Aaron's guy and bring him out here and help him train you? Now they feel like they're valued as opposed to just being chucked and and thrown away. There's probably a whole lot better examples in this room that, that I'm sure you probably have some pretty good successes and failures too. I don't know that there's one real way to do it outside of don't underestimate the power of prayer, have the conversation And when you say repurpose, really repurpose them and let them find purpose in that and attach it to the vision. Cool. All right, guys, thank you so much for your time. Hopefully this was valuable to you. If it wasn't, I'm sorry. Have a great day.